that sounds impressive, but not when you think about how the average four-year-old can do that with 100% accuracy. So the biggest takeaway and the biggest reason for me reading this book is for most entrepreneurs be like, nah, dog, I can do all the work myself because I'm all about that hustle. But here at the Instant Leverage Podcast, we have a name for them, broke-ass mother Join me, a nameless and faceless narrator, as our host, J.R. Reeves, peels back the foreskin and reveals all his secrets on how you can get instant leverage to skyrocket your business. All right, welcome to another episode of the Instant Leverage Podcast. I'm your host, JR, and today I have kind of an interesting rabbit hole that I've been going down that I've wanted to share with you all. So those of you guys that know me know that I am a huge reader of books and in all different forms and fashions, like regular books, audiobooks, uh, Kindle even now. And recently I picked up this book, uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, which was recommended in the... Tools of Titans book by Tim Ferriss. So those of you who don't know, Peter Thiel is basically the founder of, or one of the co-founders of PayPal, sold for a billion dollars in 1999. Uh, over a billion dollars to eBay. And the original six people in that company also went on to like start link one, one started LinkedIn, one started YouTube. So ultra successful company. And then Peter Thiel himself has also gone on to invest in Uber, Facebook. Um, he also started another company called, uh, Palantir, which is super sick. So my purpose for reading this book is that I wanted to, I want to start thinking differently. Like I want to start thinking like a billionaire and processing information like a billionaire does. So I figured, you know, what better way than read books written by billionaires. So I uh, read this book and holy crap, it's like highly, highly recommended for anybody to read if you haven't checked it out yet. And I wanted to cover a few of my biggest takeaways from this book because it was kind of an eye-opener. So one thing that I learned from this book is that, at least from Peter Thiel's perspective, he thinks competition is stupid. And going into something that's ultra-competitive is usually a bad idea uh, because there is, he's like, if if you are the 1,000th restaurant in San Francisco, and this is an analogy he makes a lot in the book, you will see a, you'll see high revenues in the beginning because you are new, right? And you your, it's novelty. Everybody always checks out the new restaurant. But over time, those profits that you made in the beginning will flatten out and the next new restaurant will open up and then they'll take your place. And ultimately, what he says is that no restaurant in San Francisco really makes money over a 10 to 20 year period. So he says that you shouldn't compete unless you have a product that's at least 10 times better, does the same thing, but is at least 10 times better. So for example, the USB stick was at least 10 times better than the CD for transferring information. Uber was at least 10 times better than taxis for getting people around. So ultimately, if he, Peter Thiel, but he believes that it's almost pointless to start a business if it's not any kind of new technology, it's not at least 10 times better than the next closest thing. And he's like 20% better, 30% better is not enough to really differentiate in the eyes of the consumer. So he also uh, talks about how you should, he talks about building a company culture and how you should never outsource your recruiting, which I totally agree. And I think that's uh, very interesting. Now on the, the point that I just made, it's important to know that there are also no absolutes because if you if you read Sam Walton's uh, Made in America, Sam Walton loved competition. He loved to beat people at their 
own game. Um, but the way he competed was very strategic. Like he built Walmart by opening up in small towns where there was no Kmart, which a lot of people don't know. Kmart was way bigger than Walmart at one point. Walmart had like nine stores. Kmart had like 800, which goes against like everything that you read in marketing books, like the 22 immutable laws of marketing. It's like, hey, if you're not first, then you have to create your own category or whatever. Sam Walton did neither of those and built a company that does today over $500 billion in revenue. So um, he also talks about how the there's this big fear of like AI. And he, he so he talks about like the kinds of companies that you should, that people should be building today and how we look at building. Uh, and of course, like the book is way more than this, but this these were just like my biggest takeaways. We look at building companies using AI as a way to replace humans when that's actually, Peter Thiel says that's the wrong way to look at it. And the question is then like, okay, well, what does that mean? So he says that you shouldn't ask what problems can, or what problems can computers solve alone and replace humans in? He says, uh, you should ask what problems can computers help humans solve? So he tells this huge story of at PayPal, they were losing $10 million a month to fraud at one point, And they needed to do something about this you know, fast, right? And they had they hadn't cut a profit yet, and they're losing ten million dollars a month. So they obviously can't manually review every transaction. So they created AI that would flag sketchy transactions, and then it would be reviewed by a human. Um, this technology went on to be used by the CIA, the NSA, for counterterrorism, for basically tracking terrorists through algorithms. So and being used for banks to detect fraud and stuff like that. So basically, what he's saying is that a computer alone wouldn't be able to make that decision in and of itself. And they tried that. So they tried to have a computer that would just flag people, but the people would just get smarter and they would just find new ways to evade the algorithm over time, within hours, a lot of times. So he talks about they were successfully able to stop this by computers flagging, by analyzing a lot more data than a human being could, and then turning that over to a human being for some sort of review. So it's very interesting because it, it reframed how I thought about AI, because I thought about AI was like, you know, AR, AI is here to replace people. And that's not, that doesn't seem to be his view. He also talks a lot about how the way that AI thinks, AI can compute extremely well, better than humans, but it really can't think better than humans. He talks, he shares an example of how at Google, uh, they built this uh, machine learning that could identify a cat in a YouTube thumbnail with 75% accuracy. And he's like, well, that sounds, and this was in like 2012, 2013. Like that sounds impressive, but not when you think about how the average four-year-old can do that with 100% accuracy. So the, the biggest takeaway and the biggest reason for me reading this book is for my next company, I want to know the that it could be a billion dollar idea or that it could be a really, really big idea. So he gives you seven questions that I have written down here that I'm going to share on seven questions every business must be able to answer. And these are essentially the equations uh, of or the, the characteristics of like a billion dollar company. So number one is the engineering question. So can you create breakthrough technology instead of incremental improvements? So like I said, being 10 times better than your nearest competitor in technology. Um, the example he uses of a company that did this extremely well was uh, of course Tesla. He's like, Tesla's technology is phenomenal. He's like, Toyota uses Tesla's powertrain and General Motors uses Tesla's like uh, one of the components of the, the battery or something something like that, or they use their exact battery and like three other companies as well. So the technology is so good that other companies are even using it. Uh, the timing. So is right now the, the time to start this particular business? Uh, the monopoly question, are you starting with a big share of a small market? It's another huge takeaway from this book is like the way that you build 
a big company is you need adaptation in like there's no way that Uber could have rolled out to the entire company to the entire country and had the leverage to be successful. So what they did was they conquered submarkets. So they started in like one city, then moved to the next and moved to the next. PayPal did the same thing. They there was no way they were gonna get everybody to start using PayPal overnight with, you know, by just like rolling out a mass marketing campaign. So they they tried to dominate a small market and monopolize a small market. So they started with trying to market to immigrants that were sending money via Western Union. But they're frequency was not high enough to get traction. So then they moved over to uh, eBay power sellers, which there was 20,000 of them at the time and each bought and sold on eBay multiple times a day. So they conquered that market and then rolled it out to everybody. So as I'm doing this, I'm thinking like, how can I implement this in my own business? And I'm like, okay, if I want to roll out VAs to everybody or every industry or multiple industries, I have to start with conquering like one small industry first, which is what we're working on right now. The next question is the people question. So do you have the right team. A lot of companies have been killed that have good technology, good product because they just can't keep their team together. So do you have the right team to create what you want, but also do you have the right team for the culture that you want to have? And do you guys get along? The next is the distribution question. So do you have a way to create and deliver your product? And I would also add to that, like, do you have a way, do you have a channel, a reliable channel to market your product? Next is the ability question. So will your market position be defensible 10 to 20 years into the future? So 10 to 20 years in the future, is this company that you're spending your time on, is it still going to be around? Does it have the potential to be around? If you're selling, you know, uh, if all you're selling is Facebook ads and that's all you know, there's a good chance that 10 to 20 years from now, Facebook ads might not be the thing. Now, that doesn't mean that your company won't exist, but it could mean that at some point you're going to have to make some sort of a pivot to be aware of. And lastly is the secret question. So have you identified? a unique opportunities, a unique opportunity that others don't see. So this kind of prompted me to start a um, list. So I've been just making random lists of stuff that it's basically a list of things I want to problem solve. So I came up with a few ideas of like, okay, what could, what could be like secret problems that others don't identify? And the point of making these lists is to honestly write like really stupid shit. And in the stupid shit, you'll find good ideas or combinations of the ideas. So for example, like one of mine that I came up with is, so ideas for new companies that could potentially fit this mold is a VR advertising platform. So at some point, like when, if VR has mass adaptation, there's going to be some sort of company that sells ads on the platform. So right now it could be Facebook or Google or a third player could come up and sell ads in VR. So imagine you're in VR, you're doing whatever people are going to do in VR, playing games, having meetings, etc. There's going to be ads in VR. Like let's say there's billboards and every billboard displays a, a different ad based on who you are. So, and you only see that ad similar to how the Facebook newsfeed works. So there's going to be something like that. There's going to be some sort of platform, ad platform in, in uh, virtual reality. Another thing that I thought of, I was thinking of basically what problems are going to be created by new technology. So I was thinking of like what problems, what businesses have sprung up based off of other businesses that had come around. For example, Airbnb popped up and now there's property management companies that have popped up to manage people's Airbnbs. That's something that is a result of Airbnb being created. So I thought about like what kind of future technology would come? What would supplement that? So one of the things I thought of was like, well, and these are like purely ideas. So feel free to like poke holes in them. One of them, the ones that I thought is, well, if there's self-driving cars and there's going to be cars that like I've uh, looked into in the future, like you'll be able to have your car go out and basically pick people up via 
Uber while you're working and do it all on its own autonomously. Well, at some point, like that car is going to need gas and there's going to need to be some sort of a pump that can pump gas into a uh, self-driving car or charge a self-driving car without an attendant present. So um, some sort of a pump that would work for that, that would work autonomously, right? So I'm coming up with like three or four of these a day just to throw things out there. But my my goal is like, I want to find ideas that could be worth over $100 million um, and then get started on implementing it ultimately. So that's all I got for you guys today. I just wanted to uh, really share what I learned from this book because it's a massive shift in thinking from the average person to how a billionaire investor thinks. So I'll be doing a couple of these, a couple more of these book breakdowns throughout this podcast. So if you guys enjoyed these, I'd love if you left a five-star review on iTunes and um, uh, just shot me an email at jrinstantleverage.com with your thoughts and feelings on uh, these episodes. If you agree, if you disagree with these philosophies and uh, anything else, I'd just love to hear from you guys. So thank you guys so much for listening and I'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Instant Leverage Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast and I'd be forever grateful if you left us a five-star review on the app you're listening on so we can help more people. And if you want more content like this, then click that subscribe button now. And until next time, my friends, stay leveraged.